What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are recapping the NBA game from Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. Last night, there was four games, so a little, little lenient, a little lighter on the schedule for me. They're doing the occasional eight or nine games that I'm more than used to at this point in time, but four games, two TNT national televised games, the Pelicans versus the Mavericks and the Suns versus the Warriors, four West Coast teams that all realistically have a chance to make it to the Western Conference Finals team in Phoenix that looks like they are right back where they were a season ago, trending towards being one of the best teams in the NBA, both just on paper, statistically, all of the metrics say that Phoenix are going to be one of the great teams once again. I know that people, after the loss of the Mavericks in seven games, they're like, oh, is Phoenix really that legit? How you lose in the fashion that they did, too, against the the Dallas Mavericks. It was tough. But ultimately, the Suns were great last year. They're going to be great again this year. And we'll get into all things that happened yesterday right now. First game out of the four-game slate on Tuesday was the Washington Wizards facing the Detroit Pistons, and it was Washington who came up victorious, 120-99, to blowout victory for the Wizards at home, and this game surprisingly was a blowout when you consider the fact that Bradley Beal was dealing with lower back tightness. Um, he left um, early. Missed the entire second quarter, returned late in the third quarter. So that's definitely something that, I mean, it's not Detroit. Washington will want to keep their eye on as the season progresses, see how that back looks and feels. Probably a day-to-day injury, but, of course, you never want your star player, the best player on your team, your franchise cornerstone at this point, to be dealing with injury um, so soon in the season. You want to be able to... I know most people hate load manage, but sometimes it's necessary when you have a guy like Bradley Beal, who's an all-star, all-NBA, third-team type of dude, who's going to give you 25 a night on solid shooting numbers. And he's what makes the Washington Wizards go, man. He sells the tickets. He's a big name, so got to make sure he's all right. But once Beal had came back in the third quarter, there was already like a sizable lead. Had a 15-point lead after that point. This Wizards squad, man, if you look at the the roster, they have some dudes here that could put the ball in the basket, namely Kyle Kuzma, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 9-17 from the field. He's looking like a guy that's going to be a starter in this league, if you didn't know that already, a starter, but a guy that could score double digits every night and give you reliable production. And on this Wizards team, he's the second option most nights. You have Chris Oxford-Zingas, who chipped in 20.7 rebounds himself, 8 of 13, 2 of 4 from 3. But Kuzma is going to be the second option most nights. 
I think that's kind of warranted. We all know back from when he was playing with LeBron James in Los Angeles, it was kind of him at certain points where he was like, all right, I'm LeBron's sidekick now. And I'm going to I'm gonna get buckets. I'm going to do what I do. Score. He's one of the best shooters on that team before, obviously, the trade that sent everybody elsewhere. Right? But just being a scorer, being a shooter. And, you know, he has playoff experience, veteran leadership. Despite his young age, he's one of the more experienced guys on that Washington roster. So he's definitely a key part of that team. And then for the Detroit side, one and three on the season. Bogdan Bogdanovich led the team with 25 points. K tipped in 19. Jaden Ivey only had 11 points. Overall, this Detroit team is very young, very inexperienced with the majority of their players. It's going to take time for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they're towards the bottom of the East solely because this is the year to tank. And, of course, we see teams like Utah and San Antonio that have other plans. Rather than tanking, they want to – they're looking to win right now. Detroit, they're trying to win these games. Don't get it twisted, but I'm sure they are happy that they're losing rather than winning in these situations. Next game up on the slate, the Oklahoma City Thunder take on the Los Angeles Clippers, and it was OKC getting their first win of the season against a shorthanded Clippers team. Kawhi Leonard didn't play due to his load management situation. Paul George due to a unspecified illness. I like how <laughs> I got the notification. It was like Kawhi Leonard will be out load management. Paul George will be out due to non-COVID illness. You have to bring up as a non-COVID illness. Because if it's COVID, you got the COVID protocol, all that stuff. What if it was just like, you know, you had a little cold, a little, little flu. You know, I couldn't say that. Couldn't say he has a flu. He has a stomach virus. Nah, just non-COVID. COVID jumps everything, I guess. But 108-94, Oklahoma City beat this Clippers team without their two best players, their, their main offensive pieces. Reggie Jackson tried to contribute, but he was nullified. He's only shot 4 of 17. Usually in these type of games where Kawhi and Paul George don't play, it's usually a guy like a Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell, who was also rather inefficient on 3 of 10. The the guards, so you know that could, they could get hot and score, but I guess this night wasn't their night. And on the OKC side of things, Shea Gilks Alexander, man, 33 points. And on the season, he's averaging 31, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Like, he's putting up numbers. Granted, it's a terrible Oklahoma City team who is by far going to be one of the favorites to get Victor Wembanyama for the sole fact that can you imagine the roster of Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren back there? Oh, my God. Skinny, but long as hell. And then you got a guy like Shea Gilks Alexander, who's going to have 30. Trey Mann, Luguenz Dort, Baisley, Pokasevsky, Oshman Dang, who was drafted this year, um, Jalen Williams. Like, There's a bunch of dudes on this roster that can play multiple positions, that can be very switchable, versatile defensively, who can make plays, who can score. It's just a matter of developing these guys. And, man, give, it, give them a few years, man. Give them two to three years that they guys really develop. Oklahoma City will be back at the near the top of the league if they can keep this core if they can develop correctly maybe make a few trades get a free agent here or there but okc is on the rise first one of the season for them is going to be a long season okc probably not too much winning happen happening solely because of the prospect of getting victor Wembanyama at the end of the season as that that prize for sucking so much but you know it's a part of the nba now especially with talent 
this this um, amazing. You you can't you can't escape that. Next game, probably the game of the night in my opinion. The New Orleans Pelicans took on the Dallas Mavericks, and once I heard that Zion would be out due to his posterior hip injury, as well. That's such a funny posterior hip injury. Like you don't you don't hear that. Like what's up? What? Anyway, he he had a hard fall. That's what they're trying to say. And then Zion, I mean, excuse me, Brandon Ingram, due to his concussion protocol. I thought this was going to be a blowout by the Dallas Mavericks. I really thought that they were going to come out and just destroy this Pelicans team, who, give them credit, the Pelicans, they are a very deep team. They are a very deep team, even without Zion and Brandon Ingram. You look at this roster, man, C.J. McCollum, you know how he is. He's a bona fide veteran. One of the players that, for so long, he was, like, one of the best players that haven't received all-star considerations yet. He was always a 20-plus point per game scorer with Portland at the side of Damian Lillard. But he never really got that recognition as an all-star. He probably still won't, but it's kind of like with Drew Holiday over in Milwaukee. Like, they're such good, sound players that do all the things you want, that can score, that can do all the little things that you want out of your guard for them not to get all-star it's like wow are you serious that's just a testament to how deep this this league is man with all the stars at the point guard position it's a guard driven league well maybe now it's turning to more of a forward driven league but still the guards they have the ball in their hands most of the time they reign supreme but like i mentioned cj mccollum Najee marshall at 15 Jonas valentunius 13 and 7 a guy that can have 30 and 10 on any given night. That's just how special he is at the tenor position. Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, who was 8 for 8, 22 points. Trey could be an X factor. 4 4 from three point range. He's in the open shots when they have the big three in attendance. So he's the guy that's going to get open shots. And if he can knock them down at a high clip, he'll definitely be able to stay on the floor. Then off the bench, you had Devontae Graham, Dyson Daniels, the rookie. 11 points, 3 rounds, 2 assists, 3 steals. Limited minutes for him, but he showed that he could play. He knows how to play. And then Devontae Graham, 14 points. Like, this team is deep. They, they can go 10, 12 deep on this roster. And that's something that not everybody can say with confidence. So, credit to the organization for putting this roster together. Being able to make that CJ McCollum trade, which at the time, people thought was kind of a desperation move the Pelicans, just trying to make sure Zion would stay, sign that rookie extension. But lo and behold, that trade sound, sort of kind of catapulted them into the conversation of like, wait a minute, what is this team going to do next season? Because he saw they took Phoenix to six games when they had no real business doing that. I guess that was a, a sign of things to come for Phoenix, how they had trouble with the Pelican squad that didn't even have Zion. But ultimately, what it came down to is that C.J. McCollum's leadership along with the other complimentary pieces around him, they were able to push a Phoenix team that was far superior talent-wise, at least so we thought, to six games. So now, once you have Zion back in the fold, the guy that's going to give you 27, 10, and like four assists and just spectacular highlights all around to boost the morale of the squad, you have a team here that can easily be a top three team in the Western Conference. And they can make some noise as playoffs. On the Dallas perspective, it, again, it was a close game, only a two-point victory. 
Dallas almost won this game off of Luka Doncic's three-point to hit, beat the buzzer. We've seen that plenty of times before. We know what he's capable of. He had 37 points, 7 assists, 11 rebounds on 16 of 30. 16 of 30, excuse me. Only 2 of 13 from the field. I mean, from the three-pointer, however. So, that shooting percentage wasn't the best. Spencer did win with 24 points. Christian with another 20-plus point game. I think every game he's played so far, he's had over 20, if I'm not mistaken. So, credit to Christian Wood for coming off the bench and being that super six man who really he should be starting, if we're being completely honest. But in this role, he's giving them great production offensively. 23-6, and six, he's the offensive guy on, off that bench. So, when he gets minutes with Luka Doncic, that pick and pop is deadly. He's a guy that's going to knock down threes at a high rate. He can get boards. He can play defense. Like, what can he do? He's always been like this since his time in Detroit. But what people were thinking is like, oh, okay, he can certainly play. But the mental, <clears throat> it's always been the mental aspect. And hopefully he's a guy that gets the opportunity to really shine in this role in Dallas. We saw last year in Houston that he had some moments where it's like, oh, okay, you can do some things, but how's he going to match with this team? So now he's getting the opportunity, he's getting the chance, and Christian Wood, if he stays on the bench, which it'll be interesting to see as the season goes along, he's a major candidate for six-man of the year, solely off the statistics that he's putting up. The final game of the evening was the Phoenix Suns taking on the Golden State Warriors. So when you look at Phoenix and Golden State, Two of the teams that were representing the Western Conference in back-to-back years, obviously Phoenix in 2021 when they went up against the Bucks and they ultimately lost. Then Golden State this past year where they beat the Celtics to win the championship. Both teams are super talented. Both teams have Hall of Fame guards at the respective positions and Chris Paul for the Suns, Steph Curry with the Warriors. Both have great coaches, Steve Kerr, Monty Williams. Both have guys that could light it up from three, Clay Thompson, Devin Booker. There's so many similarities with this team, but it didn't look like that from what the game was showing you. I mean, 134 to 105 was the final score. Phoenix sort of just ran away with it in the second half. A lot of that had to do with the Clay Thompson ejection. The team was sort of just rattled after that. And then in the second half, Golden State only scored 39 points. While Phoenix, they scored 62 points. They were just hitting on all cylinders offensively. Devin Booker on the evening, he had 34 points. He's electric as always. And that's been a trend this season. 34-7, and 7, 10 of 19, 3 of 8 from the three-point line, 11 of 14 from the free throw line. Chris Paul chipped in 16 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 50% from the field, 80% from the 3-point line, 8 in chips in 16, 14. Mikhail Bridges has 17. And then John Landale off the bench. That's the guy that I need to pay attention to more because I'm always seeing him whenever I play, whenever I, I watch, excuse me. And he's a dude that's getting some good looks in the paint off that bench, and that was a, the concern when you looked at losing JaVale McGee to Dallas. I was like, oh, okay, where's your bench big man going to come in? It's going to be Bismack Biombo who can play at times, but 
at his age right now, he's definitely not a second string big, more of a third string. Put him in there if you're going up against a guy like Giannis when your other two bigs are in foul troubles type of dude. But at the end of the day, this Phoenix team, they're a team that defensively is elite once more. Last year, this was a thing when they went to the finals. It was a thing. And consistently, the team has been a top defensive team. This year, the Suns' defense has been holding their opponents to 104.5 points per game, which is the fourth best mark in the entire league. And that is a uh, excuse me, a formula for success in the NBA as far as going deep in the postseason. You have to be able to defend, and they're doing that at a high clip. And when you have a guy like Devin Booker who's averaging 30-plus points, on the season, 32 and a half to be exact. You got to think, man, we have a real good shot to go back to the finals. And it's sort of wild when you think about the fact that after that loss to the Dallas Mavericks, people were all like, Phoenix is done. Their window is closed. Championship window is closed. It's done. They're not getting back. And in my mind, I was like, really? I, I know the, the fashion which they lost to, to Dallas was terrible. Don't get me wrong, but... This team just came off a finals appearance in 2021. They had a better season in the regular season this past year. That's 64 wins. Franchise high, best mark in the NBA by far. They just happened to lose, I don't know, lose gas, run out of steam, whatever you want to call it. And they were unable to get past Dallas. But if they did get past Dallas in that game seven, they would have been right in the conference finals against Golden State. And then who knows what happens in that series. Phoenix could be a team that goes back to the finals once more. Like, that's not out of the question. Like, their talent is legitimate. You have a guy like Devin Booker who's knocking on the door of being a top 10 player in the NBA, especially with the production that he's having so far in this season. MVP watch for sure as the season rolls along and Phoenix continues to win. They're winning 50, 55 games easily. It'll be interesting to see if they get that 60 mark again. But definitely 50 to 55 easily just because of the talent, just because of their defense. Like I mentioned before, top five in the league. You have to consider them as a live threat in the playoffs once more in the Western Conference to meet a team like Golden State, which I'll get into Golden State in a second. But they're not looking too hot right now. Phoenix, honestly, should be a favorite to win the West, have the best record in the Western Conference, and eventually win the West. Of course, that's up to see what the Pelicans do, got to see what Timberwolves, how they mesh and things of that nature. Injuries always play a part, but Phoenix has the most cohesion outside of Golden State. A lot of people want to bring up the Clippers, but Kawhi Leonard is barely playing right now. He's coming off the bench. I've heard reports that Kawhi may end up coming off the bench the entire season, but when I heard that, I was like, what? Are you serious? You have one of the top 10 players in the game coming off the bench? Like, I understand load management, but that's a bit extreme. But, again, it is what it is. You have a team like Denver, who has the two-time reigning MVP, um, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. The depth that they have is legitimate as well. But when it comes down to it, man, Phoenix, they're going to be a team that's going to be contending for sure to make it out the West. And, hey, I wouldn't be shocked one bit if the Western Conference went through Phoenix once more. On the Golden State side, Golden State has allowed 70-plus points in the first half. I believe this that is three times so far this year, which is the worst in 
franchise history for sure. And defensively, Golden State is near the bottom of the league. They're 29th. The only team that's worse right now is Denver. Golden State has given up 124 points per game. They haven't been able to guard anybody, which when you think of who they are, a team that's usually very switchable during the the Steph, Clay, Dre era, they've been a team that's always been able to defend at a high level, always in the top five, top ten. They've always had guys that could switch. Their schemes were always great. Draymond Green headlining defensive player of the year. Guys had people like Bogut in the past. Andrew Wiggins now a great perimeter defender. Kevon Looney always doing his thing. But maybe you could say it's because of the the younger dudes on the roster who get a lot of that time off the bench, like Kuminga, Wiseman. Wiseman's playing solid. He had two blocks in the last night's game. But overall, it's like, wow. Is this going to continue? Because no matter how great the Splash Brothers are, how great Draymond and Jordan Poole, the young guys, are offensively, they aren't going to do much when it comes to postseason success if they can't guard. Just for context, offensively, they rank fourth in the league, 120.3 points per game. We know they can score. But when you're at the bottom of the league defensively, that's not going to get it done. And a lot of these teams, man... They could score. Same thing with New Orleans. They could score. They could score in bunches, but defensively, they're not going to be able to get it done. That's going to be a problem come postseason time, which is why I bet on teams that play better defense, like a Phoenix, like a Dallas, who last year they were number two, if I'm not mistaken, the points allowed. This year so far, they're number five. That may increase as the season goes along. These teams that play defense, they win championships. That's the formula for success. No matter how great of an offense you can muster, if you can't stop anybody, what's the point, man? Might as well not even play the game. Because at the end of the day, if they have a decent offense, which most teams that make the playoffs do, they're going to beat you nine times out of ten unless you have an all-time great offensive performance yourself. And even still, if you can't guard anybody, it's going to be really hard to win the NBA. That's how it's been for forever. And it's going to continue to be that way. So, Golden State fans, you guys are going to have to watch out. Watch this team as the season goes along. If that defense ramps up, which we have no reason to think that it won't. But this slow of a start coming out, it is not good for Dubs fans. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Make sure you guys like, share, rate it five stars, all of that good stuff that we always do because we know... We love the From Downtown podcast, and we're trying to keep it going as long as we can. Last night's games were pretty awesome. Right now, I'm actually in the process of watching the Milwaukee Bucks-Brooklyn Nets game over on ESPN. That's a great game so far. Low-scoring contest, which is surprising considering the two teams. But Milwaukee, number one defense in the league so far. Brooklyn Nets, one of the worst defenses so far. But right now, they're playing pretty damn good defense, if you ask me. So it'll be interesting to see how this game unfolds right now. And I'll be covering this game plus the following ESPN game, Warriors versus Lakers, in the next episode of the From Downtown Podcast, as well as the rest of the games that we got going on today. Pretty solid games. Always in the NBA because, you know, NBA, best basketball league in the world. Until next, guys. Until next time, guys. I need to get some sleep so I can talk better for the next one. Take care. <laughs>